And please, if you would, let's take the scriptures and we're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. And we're going to go to chapter 3. It's right after the book of Proverbs, which is following Psalms. So if you find, go to the very middle probably, you'll find the book of Psalms. Then go towards the back of your Bible and you'll find Proverbs. And then Ecclesiastes, chapter number 3. I think it's important, the reason I tell you how to find it is because it's important for us to look at the Bible for ourselves. Don't take my word for it. And uh, I want you to see it. And uh, feed yourself the Word of God. How are we going to grow without studying Scripture, listening to the Spirit of God, and applying what we are convicted about. And God's talking to you if you read the Word. He'll talk to you through His Spirit. And as He talks to you, He'll show you areas where you need to grow and where you need to change. And God will help you do that, but you have to give Him that opportunity. Say, God, I submit to you. Here is my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated. It's yours, God. I'm setting apart for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it's important that we look at this. And there's seven verses, actually eight, I'm sorry, eight verses I'd like for us to see. And then there are uh, 14 different contrasting uh, thoughts here. Um, Different actions or events. And you probably have heard these verses before, but let's stand for the reading of the Word of God out of respect for God's Word, and we'll read down through verse 8 together. And uh, let's do this together. You read out loud, and I'll read uh, with you, okay? Verse number 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up. Up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend in a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. We'll stop right there for the reading and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you give us wisdom because we need wisdom to know when it is the right time to do these things. And Lord, you've shown us from uh, Solomon who wrote this He gave us great wisdom. And to acknowledge that life is not always... Uh, to, uh, it's not always something enjoyable. There's always going to be, uh, there will be times of enjoyment, but there will also be times where we will suffer and go through hardship. But all of it, as you told us in the book of Romans, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And God, you've shown us that even the bad things in life can be used to bring something good and uh, to help us to grow and to mature and to become more like Jesus. I pray that you bless this day. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. We saw there starting in verse number 2 and all the way down through verse 8. 
things that we all will experience. All 14 or 28 of these things we will experience in life. Everyone here has been born. And everyone here will die. Unless we go with the Lord in the rapture, and I'm looking forward to that. But without the rapture, we will face death. Everyone here will sow and reap. And that's not just talking about planting a garden or working on a farm, planting in a big field. There's times where we sow and reap in other areas of our life. We sow uh, a word. We sow an action. We will reap either good or bad from our words and our actions. Amen. If you're wise, you will realize that we have to learn even from the bad things that happen. When we, sow, when we sow and reap something bad, you can still learn from that and praise God for that. Uh, then he talks about uh, justice there, a time to kill. Uh, there's never a good time. There's never a justified time to murder because God condemns that he hates Killing in that sense. There's times where we will have to bring justice on this earth, and God has given that job, that role to the government. But there's time for, uh, for that, and then also a time of peace. He says there are time to heal. Praise God for healing. And then we see that there's a time to tear down, and then there's a time to build up. There's a time to cry. And then there's a time to laugh, time for mourning and time for dancing, a time for tearing down again and building up. This is a a chiasm or it's a chiastic structured poem, Hebrew poetry. So he gives these kind of contrasting ideas all the way throughout. He says there's also a time for embracing and then there's a time to say goodbye. In the last couple of weeks we've had... Uh, funerals, we've had weddings, we've had all kinds of things going on in my life, in my family's life. There was a time of embracing, and then there was a time of saying goodbye. There's a time for gaining, and then there's a time for losing. There's a time for gathering, but there's also a time to let go of things. There's a time of tearing. When uh, you have an old garment, a piece of clothing, and you repurpose that clothing like I take an undershirt or a t-shirt and I repurpose that after it's old and worn out. I'll tear it and I'll make it into a cleaning rag or a rag for polishing shoes. Repurposing. But God says that's how life is going to be. There's a time of tearing, but there's also a time of mending. There's a time of keeping silence, and there's also a time of speaking. We struggle with both of those, don't we? Many times we speak when we're not supposed to speak, and we don't speak when we should have spoken. How many of you are with me on that one? That's putting it where it's at today. Then there's a time of loving And then it's also, this one is hard to understand, but a time of hating. And I I thought about this. Here's how we can look at this. We should not, I believe we should not hate people. 
uh, God is angry, but I don't believe that he hates people. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, God says these things that I hate, but he mentions the tongue and a few other things, but he doesn't mention people. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Jude chapter 1, verse 22. And I say chapter 1, but there's only one chapter. But verse 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Saving them from destruction. Loving the sinner. But then he says, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. A loving, there's a time to love and then there's a time to hate. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And then lastly, he says, a time of war and a time of peace. So here we have a list of different events in life, if you would. Also, a list of different emotions that we will experience in life. And God has given humans, mankind, the capacity and the ability to experience these emotions. Uh, God gave us the ability to cry and the ability to be embarrassed and to blush. But God also gave mankind the ability to laugh. Our emotions are a part of what it means to be created in the image of God. God gave that to us. Now, some people might say, well, uh, even as Christians, they'll say, as, especially as Christians, we shouldn't be so emotional. You know, the Bible says to not trust the heart. The heart is wicked, right? Uh, the heart is deceitful, and we can't trust it. And so it's wrong to express emotion. My friend, I would disagree with that. I think that there are wrong emotions, just like there's wrong actions. But God made us emotional creatures. And just as we nourish our physical bodies, we do need to be careful about uh, feeding fleshly appetites. But God still says we need to nourish our body. Just as we nourish our physical body, we need to nourish our soul and our emotions. And so we need to at least have that understanding to take care of the emotional needs as well as the physical needs and the spiritual needs. And I believe the church, God has set up the church as it functions in the way it was created. The church is there to meet all three areas of need, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And today I hope we can do that together because... We will have lunch later, so let's not focus on the physical right now. But we did provide air conditioning, and you might be saying, well, it's too cold, Pastor, so I'm sorry for those of you that are too cold in here. Um, bring your parka uh, for the rest of us. But um, we have padded pews. We try to have uh, nice things here for us to f- help us physically. But I hope that also we can help you emotionally, because you need support in this, especially now Uh, As things have gotten more and more difficult in this world, 
We're experiencing in America what most, most of the world has been experiencing for decades and centuries. But here we're experiencing in America a very difficult time um, politically, socially. And the church needs to be the church more than ever. As the world is urbanizing, people are coming closer to one another. And in those interactions, uh, things are many times hostile. We see the violence in our city. It's not a joke. This last week, we've reached over 100 homicides in our, just in our city. It's a very serious thing. It's a dangerous time that we're living in. And so we need each other emotionally. We need to be the support for those that have suffered loss in their families and are going through things at work and in their homes and in society. And so God gave us these emotions. And today I want to particularly discuss uh, one of God's greatest gifts to us, and that is laughter. I enjoy uh, good comedy Clean, it's hard, hard to find even clean comedy today, but good comedy doesn't have to be uh, perverted. There's so much good out there. Um, and I enjoy laughing at jokes and laughing with people. And especially now that it's Father's Day today, we know all about, you might know all about, dad jokes, right? The dad jokes get told. And even Thursday night, Brother Liam was sharing a dad joke. And uh, last year, I preached at camp uh, to the 7th and 8th graders, and I, I started off with some dad jokes, because that's how I thought maybe we could interact. You know, I have no other way of relating to 7th and 8th graders. I'm not a 7th and 8th grader. And uh, throughout the week, after preaching nine times, every service, and at lunchtime, at dinner time, those kids would come up with pieces of paper that they had scrawled out dad jokes on. They said, can you tell this one? This one's really funny. And so uh, laughter is a great gift. It's a help to us. It does good for us. We need to laugh. And life doesn't have to be all dull and boring and unenjoyable. God wants us to enjoy our lives. And um, if you want to be an honorable parent, lighten up. Last week we talked about rules. Or a few weeks ago we talked about rules. I'm not saying loosen up. I'm saying lighten up. We all need that. If you're not a parent, we all can use this. Loosen up a little bit or lighten up a little bit. Not saying to compromise what we believe. Not saying that we uh, lower our standards in any way or our convictions. But we need to learn how to laugh in this life if we're going to make it through. And our homes need to be places of joy and laughter. Adrian Rogers has said, Make your home the happiest place on the block, and your children will rise up and bless you for it. Let your house ring with laughter. Let your children see you laugh in times of trouble, because it means God is over it all. I shared this Thursday night, and I wasn't even sure who I was quoting, but I knew I was quoting somebody. But Adrian Rogers, I found out later, 
uh, somebody had actually just read that quote on Thursday and they came and told me I needed it then and I'm glad you shared it. I, did you read this too? I said, no, but it's an old quote. But Adrian Rogers has said, whatever is above our heads is below or under God's feet. And God is in control. We don't need to live like we have to take care of every single problem in the world. Amen. But sometimes we do carry those burdens on our shoulders and it causes us to become discouraged and depressed. But God says, I'm in control. Uh, We were reading or talking and discussing in our Sunday school class about how Jesus came to the religious people of his day who were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews, the Sanhedrin, all of those that were in some kind of uh, religious involvement in his day. And he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to rest in his Uh, finished work. We don't need to carry on like we have to redeem ourselves and we need to fix every problem in the world. Yes, we have responsibility. Yes, we were called to be obedient, to go out and reach those that need to be reached. But God says, I'm with you. I'm here to help you. I gave you those children, but I'm here to help you raise those children. And we need to be able to laugh at innocent mistakes. Not only their mistakes, my friend, but our innocent mistakes. Do you make mistakes in life? Do you have times where you say, I regret doing that? I didn't mean to say that. Or maybe you didn't even intend to say something that was taken the wrong way and it hurt somebody. And we make mistakes. And we need to be able to forgive ourselves but also forgive our children when they make mistakes. Uh, We need to allow ourselves and our children to be uh, a little bit carefree once in a while. Not all the time, but being silly once in a while is a good thing. Dave Ramsey always talks about the contrasting marriage and how it's actually how God many times puts people together. You have a, you have a carefree spirit. you got the, the husband or the wife that just doesn't really care. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a financial guy, so he talks about, you know, they don't care how the money's spent. And they sometimes spend too much money. And then you have the saver. You've got the more uh, logical, down-to-earth person. You've got the, the emotional and the logic, the mind and the, uh, the, so, the, 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 the emotions are contrasting. It's okay, though, to be carefree once in a while. It balances the part of us that is too straightforward and strict on some things. When it comes to the Word of God, we need to be strict. But there's areas in our life where God gives us margin and room to breathe and room to just enjoy the world that God created us. He delights in that. Number one today, we need to understand what laughter is. There's a difference between laughter that causes hurt and laughter that causes joy. Laughter that comes at the expense of an individual ultimately destroys joy. We need to be careful about laughing at people. And as my teacher in third grade said, 
and she explained this because I couldn't help myself but laugh when uh, Alyssa, I won't give her last name to protect the innocent, but probably nobody here knows her, but she fell out of her chair in third grade. And for some reason, I laughed a little bit louder than everyone else. So I'm the one that the teacher came to and said, we shouldn't laugh at people. We need to laugh with people. And if they're not laughing, you shouldn't be laughing. But I said, it was funny. That doesn't matter. Sometimes we can't help. You know, it's just a natural reaction. We laugh at things that happen. But you understand in life, there's times where we need to be careful about laughing at somebody's circumstances. People, especially as we become adults and we start seeing the mistakes that people make, and sometimes just because they're foolish and they are, are, they're ignorant of the way things ought to be done, they willfully are ignorant. They go the wrong way, and we're frustrated We're upset with them, and then all of a sudden justice is served, and we inside, in our flesh, we want to just kind of laugh at the calamity. We want to laugh at their mistake. But God says for us to laugh, but that doesn't mean that we should laugh at people. Laughter that comes from a common sense of enjoyment and delight brings people together. And that's the kind of laughter that we should seek for in our homes. Where we're not laughing at one another, we need to be careful that we teach our children from an early age that when somebody is crying, we need to cry with them. We need to weep with those that weep. And uh, we need to uh, encourage them. And that is something, there's something in our flesh that uh, doesn't always want to do that. But we need to do it. Teach your children to understand what laughter is and the right kind of laughter that we need to have in our home. Laughter that is at the expense of an individual ultimately corrodes and divides and pulls apart. This is true for even in our church. When somebody's going through something difficult, we need to not gossip about them. We shouldn't be overjoyed and, and uh, delighted that somebody is suffering. We need to go to them and encourage and love them and, and, and bring them with us. Don't leave them behind. Don't say, well, they shouldn't have done that. Don't single them out. But... Go with them, go to them and bring them with you on the journey of life and say you made a mistake, but we still love you and we want to help you and we, we want to encourage you. And there is times where we will be the difference of success or failure in their life. We can be that difference maker. Number one, understand what laughter is. Number two, we need to slow down. How are we gonna how are we gonna enjoy our life as God told us? We can enjoy, we can laugh, we can have good times, and we should be able to uh, uh, enjoy this planet and enjoy the creation. But how are we gonna do that unless we slow down? I'm going too fast. How about you? We are going too fast in life. The world around us pushes us on because it's either get going or get left behind. 
There's always bills to be paid, isn't there? There's always appointments to be kept, isn't there? There's always people that we need to meet with, aren't there? There's always something that's pulling at us. And we, we are discouraged, and we're depressed, and we are not able to keep up. But when I'm, in an hur- when, when I'm in a hurry, there's no time to laugh. I'm focused upon what needs to be done. Have, and this is something that struck me recently. Have you ever gotten dressed and didn't remember the process of even getting dressed. It's something that we do just every day. We don't even think about what we're doing. Maybe I'm the only one, since you're not maybe with me on that. I don't know. Maybe I'm losing it. But I'm, I'm you know, getting, just going through my routine during the day. In the morning, somehow I look in the mirror. I'm like, I don't remember buttoning my shirt. I don't remember doing that. How many of you, please, if, if, even if you didn't, raise your hand. That makes me feel better. And, uh, but that, that menial task of just getting dressed and dressing the kids and dads, how about you? We need to help moms out a little bit more with those things. But, uh, rather than making it a boring menial task, we could enjoy just living life. Amen. And as we help the kids get ready for the day. Many times we just become impatient and frustrated and angry. By the way, I was listening to something recently. It was very good. Uh, an author was being interviewed. She had written over 70 books on parenting. And she's raised 10 kids. Seven of them were foster children. Four of the foster children were a family group. And she, her and her husband got this family group of four children in their home when they were between the ages of 11 and 14. These kids were between 11 and 14. Now, uh, things are already kind of set in stone at that point. And these kids, most of them dealt with anger. And she was trying to explain how that she had to learn how to become patient and to learn why these children were angry, and what was causing them to be angry. And I thought, you know, this is so important for us as parents to realize that sometimes kids are angry because parents are angry. Angry parents create angry children. And sometimes, by the way, kids are just born angry. How many of you ever met somebody you thought they must have been born angry? But, you know, kids can be like that. But that doesn't mean that we just say, well, uh, we're going to write them off. We're going to cut our losses because that one is a problem child. No, my friend, every child can be helped and encouraged and can be brought through those phases in life. But we need to slow down and we need to take time to take in what it is that they need and to talk with them, spend time with them. Oh, there's two ways that we can slow ourselves down. And that's by, here's some practical things. I hope you can get something from this. This is practical today. Uh, Slow ourselves down. Number one, by getting enough sleep. You might say, man, I I enjoy life so much. I have to stay up all night. And I just enjoy it. I, I knew somebody growing up in my teen years. And she said, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And, uh, she just kept drinking coffee and all this type of thing. And, um, and so, you know, she never wanted to sleep. You know, it was all about just, just, just live life to its fullest. 
But, you know, we need to get the rest. We need to get whatever it is. If it's eight hours or six hours, some of you it's 40 hours of rest every day. I don't know, but, you know, 24 hours. But whatever it is that you need, take the time. Invest in that. Say, you know, in order for me to slow down and to invest in my children, invest in my home, there's things that we need to cut out. There's things that aren't important that we need to just, uh, we need to let go. And I need to get the rest. I need to spend time uh, taking care of my physical needs. Uh, We need to get enough sleep at night, but we also need to rest from work. Rest from work. You might be saying, well, what does that mean? I get eight hours of sleep. That means the rest of the time I can work. My friend, there's, there's a lot of work to be done, and it will never get finished in your lifetime. There's always going to be something to work on. So let's put the work aside. If, you're not, if you don't have to work, and you're neglecting your children because you're doing other work, then you're doing too much. Put it aside. Take some time. Uh, the Bible tells us that we need to Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And whether that's Saturday for you or Sunday or however you want to look at it, it doesn't matter. The principle still applies. And, and, uh, of course, we know the Pharisees, they were worshiping the Sabbath day, basically. But Jesus said, hey, this is the spirit of what what God is saying. He's saying that the Sabbath was not made uh, to be worshipped. It was made for man to enjoy and to be released from all of the heavy burdens of work. So take a day of rest. It's hard to laugh when we're tired and cranky. Amen? But when I've had enough sleep, there's joy and happiness in our home. And as they say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But the, the truth be told it's true for all of us so number one we need to understand what laughter is but then slow down so that we can enjoy life and spend time with our kids and spend time with people there's so many people i wish i could spend time with even in my life but because they're getting older they're thinking i don't have any more life to live and so i need to just do and do and do and work and work and work and be busy 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 and then it's like boy i wish i wish you would just take some time and slow down and I hope, I hope that I would slow down as well. And we could all just enjoy the things that God has given to us. When you are so preoccupied with all that you have to do, you are not somebody that people want to be around in that time. Spend time, thirdly, with people. Spend time with people. It is rare... And if you're with me on this, say amen. If it is rare that I laugh when I'm by myself. It is rare, it's probably even more rare, that I would laugh out loud. And um, we need to spend time. You might be saying, boy, I wish I had a family. I wish I had a wife. I wish I had a husband or whatever. Uh, But you have a church. You have a church family. And that's why it's good for us to not just come on Sunday morning and clock in and then leave as soon as service is over. You should spend time fellowshipping. You say, well, I don't know anyone. How can I fellowship with people I don't know? Well, how are you going to get to know anyone unless you stay for the fellowship? Spend time with people. Amen. I guess there wasn't anybody that agreed on that, but um, it is rare that I laugh alone, amen? It requires comfort. 
with other people and time with other people. It, 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 it requires that I invest in others. Parents, it is rare in 2022 in America, it is rare for families to eat meals together. It is rare for that to happen. Why don't we spend time with our children? Many times we neglect our children and we are a little too late in realizing that we're neglecting them. And when it's too late and they're out of the home, then we, we realize that not only did we neglect them, but now they're neglecting us. So whether it's a family dinner or late night talks or even the times that our parents just listened, those are the things that kids remember. Those are the times that are memorable. Sometimes we think, well, it was, the, it was the, all the money that I invested. We went and we, uh, you know, I bought them this thing or whatever. And that was enjoyable for you. But what your kids want is not so much stuff, even though that might be what they're saying. What they really need and what they, they really want deep down is for you to be present with them and to laugh with them. My kids' jokes aren't funny. But I have to laugh. And guess what? When they're 12 and 13, my jokes aren't going to be funny. And right now I have to explain it to them for them to laugh. Because they don't get the punchline. But the goofy things that we do when you have a 7-year-old or a 5-year-old or a 2-year-old, it's the goofy things that cause them to laugh. It's not so much your wit and your humor. It is your uh, presence and your goofiness. And just being able to let go of uh, your pride a little bit and humiliate yourself a little bit and be silly. Not only is it good for your kids, but guess what? That's probably therapeutic for us as adults as well. Spend time with kids, uh, your children. Spend time with them while they are children. Uh, Family dinners, talking with them, being goofy. You know, I laugh when I'm with people. You know, when I want to laugh about something, when I think something is so funny, guess what I do? I say, come over and look at this. Right? You got to hear this. And with today's technology, it's super easy to share a video or share an audio clip or something. Because, what, why do we do that? Because we want, to, we want to see the reaction. We want to experience that. It's part of life, and it's a good thing for us to do. And uh, we need to structure our time. I need to structure my day to make room for Silas and room for Callie and room for AJ and time for them to interact with me instead of the TV, okay? Uh, The TV is not a good babysitter. Uh, It's sad to say we use it as a tool, and and sometimes we can do that. But we put something on like a year ago for my son. And I'm not even going to reference what it was exactly, but it was, a, it was a kid's, a child's, a preschooler television show. And thank the Lord he had fallen asleep 
But the thing kept playing in one episode after another. And my wife came in the room and she was horrified to see on this kid's television show, they were uh, displaying uh, homosexuality, transgenderism. And they had a gay parade for kids. I, it, is, it, is, it is just disgusting the things that we are subjected to. And now our children are subjected to. And it's no wonder that when we're letting the TV babysit our kids, they're growing up with warped thinking. And praise God if you can get your kids out of the public schools. Do what you can. Help your kids where you can. Be careful what they watch. But be the influence, as I said recently, be more of an influence than the TV or social media or the computer or whatever it is. My question to you this morning, do your children rise up and call you blessed? I think of Proverbs chapter 31, verse number 10. Verse number 10, who can find a virtuous woman? Amen. For her price is far above rubies. And then verse number 28, her children rise up and call her what? Blessed. Happy. Her children rise up and call her blessed because... Because she raised her children to honor God. And she raised her children uh, in the power of God. And by the grace of God. All of the things you read in Proverbs 31 that the virtuous woman does. But do your children uh, say, my parents are happy. My parents are blessed. Do your children honor you because of the way you live? Do you love your children? Express, that, express your love in time, touch, tender care. We've talked about this on Mother's Day. Do you limit your children by setting boundaries and establishing consequences? This is how we raise happy children. Do you lift them up with words of encouragement and praise? Your children need to be encouraged. Isn't it a, a, a growing problem, the bullying and all of the stuff that is going on in the world that kids are subjected to, they're, they're, they're just treated horribly. Your children need encouragement, and they need it from you because they're looking for encouragement all other places. You be the encourager in their life. Uh, they need to run to you, and you say, well, how do I do that? You love them. You laugh with them. You make it safe, a safe place for them to land when they make mistakes. They know they can trust you. Uh, you know, as I was studying this a little bit, uh, the reason kids are angry many times at home, they express their anger, is because, believe it or not, you might be a safe person in their mind as they're growing. They're not thinking logically 100%. That's why you're there, to help them grow and to mature in their mind. But they feel safe many times. That's why some people blow up when they're around you, because they know that you're at least going to listen to them doesn't make it right, doesn't make it okay to do that. It's still sin. But there's times where people will get angry uh, because they know you're going to listen. But you need to lead them into the right way of thinking and how to process through all of the anger and all the emotions of life. Yes, emotions are God-given, but they need to be tempered just like everything else that God has given to us. Uh, We need to lead our children, as I preached last week. Lead them by example. Train them through uh, the words that you... uh, 
uh, give them and the things you do with them. You help them to grow. But my question this morning, do you laugh with your children? Is your home a happy place? Oh, many times we want to project a home of, of happiness. We want people to think, oh, we just have such a good time as a family. But when your children grow up and they don't want to do anything with you, that's probably a sign that the home is not a happy place. As Adrian Rogers said, make your home a happy place, a place of encouragement and love. And my, my question, one last thing this morning, did you have that kind of a home? Many did not. Many did not. And it's hard because we don't know how to have a happy home. But first of all, to have a happy home, we need to have a happy life ourselves. Rejoice in the Lord. Salvation brings joy. A right relationship with God brings joy and peace into our lives. And that, are the, that my friend, those are the foundational uh, stones, the foundation stones of a happy home and a happy life is to have a right relationship with God. To be happy with others and to have peace in your life and a peaceful relationship with others, your relationship with God needs to be right. If you're not saved this morning, come to Jesus for salvation. This church would uh, rejoice in you receiving salvation, coming to God. How do you get saved? First of all, admit that you're a sinner. Now, if we're honest, we will admit that. It's hard. It's hard to admit that we've done wrong. We've sinned against the Holy God. But if you've broken the Ten Commandments, you're guilty like every other human being is guilty. If we're honest, we're guilty of sinning against God. And every sinner deserves to go to hell. Why? Because God hates us? No, but because He cannot stand sin. God is holy. He doesn't hate the sinner, but He hates the sin. So we're being saved from God's wrath and Him sending us to hell because of our sin. But because he has to do that, because uh, of his holiness, he also balances that with his love. And he sent his son, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to save us. That whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Perish. Die in hell. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. God is all about life. The devil's all about destroying and sending people to hell. And so when we come to Jesus, then we can have life. His son, God's son, Jesus died. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. He exchanged himself for us. He said, I will stand in your place. When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't dying for his sins. He was dying for my sins. He was dying for your sins because he loves you. And so the Bible says that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to realize we're sinners, but then realize Jesus can save us and then call out to him. It's not enough just to know that Jesus is the Savior. We need to make him our Savior. I prayed a prayer when I was a young man, and I said, Jesus, something like this, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, I acknowledge that, and I know you're the Savior. And so I want you to save me and forgive me for my sins. I've sinned against God, but I know you can save me. Forgive me and make me a child of God. And you know, the day that I prayed that prayer was the day that I began a new life. Second Corinthians says, if any man be in Christ... 
Meaning if you're saved, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I had a new life. You might be saying, well, how do I get a new life? My life's pretty bad. Well, I still have the same name. I still have some of the same characteristics, personality-wise. I look the same on the outside, but the work happened on the inside. And the Bible tells us as Jesus transformed the inside, He gave me a, a living spirit. He revived my spirit. He made me alive. Now the outside begins to transform. And I begin to change as I submit to the Lord Jesus. And I say, Lord, help me with my anger. Lord, help me with uh, my tongue. Help me to not say the things that I shouldn't say. And help me to say the things that I should say. But it's a lifelong journey. But praise God, salvation happened in a moment. And at that moment of salvation when I called out to Jesus I prayed a prayer but called out to Jesus from that moment on I was a child of God residing here on earth but if I had died before that day I would have been a child of hell and I would have gone to be in hell for all eternity and there's some maybe this morning that are listening to me and you've never called to Jesus. You've never been forgiven of your sins. You never called out to God. I'm not saying go to a priest who also needs to be saved, who's just a man. I'm not saying that you go to a church and get baptized or go to a river and someone baptizes you. What a, what a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that doesn't save us. It's faith in Jesus. It's when you ex- exercise that faith and you say, Jesus, save me, that's when he forgives us and he gives us that new life that starts on the inside, but it works its way out to the outside. But you are secured in Christ from the moment of that salvation, the moment you call upon him, you are secured. And that day forward from when I prayed and received Jesus Christ, I knew that I was going to heaven and I was forgiven of my sins. And if I had died, and if I die, I know that I am a child of God and I'll be there with him. The Bible says to be absent. Paul said as a believer, absent from the body is present with the Lord. You think about that thought. If you're not saved, you call upon Jesus Christ for Him to be your Savior. He'll change you. He'll give you all that uh, you are longing for. The devil wants to keep us seeking after something that doesn't satisfy. But Jesus satisfies the longing of our soul. Let's stand together. I want to pray with you. You come and pray with me. You want to come down to this altar, what we we call an altar. You come and pray. You come down here. Let's pray together. Lift your heart to the Lord this morning. First of all, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, I'm not going to lead you through a prayer right now. I want you to come and talk to somebody. We need to uh, have a counselor. I'd like to have a counselor talk to you, show you from the Word of God, answer your questions. We're not going to uh, force you into doing anything. This is a complete exercising of your will. You have to choose Jesus. But we can counsel you and help you. I'd like for you to come at this moment.